Welcome to another episode of the Lilac City Leadership Podcast. Today is an awesome time here in the uh, downtown in the Paulson building, and we have an awesome guest on the show today, Executive Director of Spokane Hoop Fest, Matt Santangelo. So Matt, welcome yeah. to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me on. We're, uh, we're all fired up. Um, a lot of folks around town know your story, uh, others who don't, and uh, we want to uncover some of that as well as some of the you know lesser known things. Uh, as well as things that you're passionate about. So uh, I'm excited to to dive in. I'm your host, uh, James Krejci, and your other host, Doyle Wheeler. And let's let's dive in. So Matt, tell us about just kind of your personal journey, uh, how you arrived in Spokane, what has shaped you to to this day? Yeah, uh, well, that's a that's a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> no, born in North Portland, so I'm a, from Portland originally. I was the youngest of nine kids, so I got five older sisters and three older brothers. Wow. Um, I've said before, you know, I I've learned a lot of great lessons. My brothers taught me how to be physically tough. My sisters taught me how to be mentally and emotionally tough. Uh, the lessons I learned from my sisters are a lot more valuable than the lessons <laughs> I learned from my brothers. Um, but what brought me to Spokane, I mean, I, it, basketball, really, I'm kind of surrounded by it here in the office um, at HoopFest is where we sit now in the Paulson Center in the HoopFest office. Um, and so I started playing basketball when I was really young, um, started playing year-round in about seventh grade, and it kind of created a lot of opportunity. It's something I was I was crazy love and passionate about, but yeah. then because of that, it created a lot, a lot of opportunity. And I was always on good teams, um, always had really good coaches, benefited from great coaches. Uh, and played, you know, obviously grade school through high school, opportunity for it to bring me to college, um, and then play professionally after college too in Europe, throughout Europe. So um, I love it so much I can't get away from it uh, <laughs> as I'm surrounded by, by basketball even now as an adult. That's a good thing. I mean, that's what people often are looking for is to be, be in what they uh, truly love. So, And speaking of surrounded by basketball, you can kind of feel the uh, – anticipation of an awesome hoop fest coming up yeah we're less than a month yeah. uh, less than a month away we just closed registration um, you know we're asking for volunteers now and then of course keeping our eyes and ears open on all things covid and and air quality as i look out our window here and it's, it's a little smoky today in, in spokane so um, there's still a lot of obstacles but we're optimistic and we have hoop fest is, is a situation an organization and an event that we kind of get a seat at a lot of tables meaning we have a great relationship with the city of spokane great relationship mm-hmm. with the regional health district and at the state level as well. Um, so those lines of communication are wide open and I'm bugging them a lot uh, <laughs> just to make sure that we're doing what we need to do in order to have a safe and successful hoop fest in September. Good Love for it. you. This so for those who are living under a rock and don't <laughs> yeah. know yet what Spokane Hoop Fest is, maybe kind of break down yeah. what the event is, but also what the organization represents. Yeah, I appreciate the question around the organization because I think I think for the most part, at least local regional people are aware of HoopFest, the event. Yeah, uh, HoopFest is the largest three-on-three basketball tournament in the world, arguably the largest basketball event tournament in the world. We bring over 6,000 teams, uh, about 250,000 people to downtown Spokane over the weekend of HoopFest, um, and we bring them from all over the world. You know, 2019, we had 43 states represented in our registration in uh, four countries. So this is a really so a wow. global event in our little, you know, our corner of the world. Um, and it's cool. And it, and it generates, it, it does a lot of good, um, not only just for the event and uh, for the vibrancy and diversity and inclusion that our event, our event fosters, but also economic impact, about a $50 million economic impact to the region every year. That's not over history. That's every Incredible. June. 
And of course, these last 16 months have been hard. You know, we got canceled yeah. last year. We had to morph into a virtual event. We got a ton of support from our athletes and our sponsors in order to get us to this year. Um, and we've already had to postpone it into September. Normally, we're the end of June. Um, so the event's a pretty dynamic thing, um, but it's a huge community event. About 3,000 volunteers uh, that it takes to, to pull it off and execute it, but it's world class. There's, you know, it's really is second to none. So then the organization, the broader organization around the event, um, it's a nonprofit. We're a small business, seven full-time staff is all, uh, but we run Spokane AAU, which is one of the largest youth basketball programs in the country, third through eighth mm -hmm. grade. It's been around even longer than HoopFest. Uh, Eastern Washington Elites High School Club Traveling Team, Ignite Basketball Outreach Program. You know, we've donated about $3 million back into the community by building 32 uh, regional park courts. Um, we run the Fitz Clinic, the Fitz Camp, and in 2019, we launched the Hooptown USA Initiative, which is a whole another evolution of basketball in our community. Like I said, it's a lot of basketball, man. <laughs> <laughs> Very few irons in the fire. I, I'm yeah, kidding. No, so this, is a, this is impressive, the, the amount of... Uh, reach that you guys have and um it most people know what the event is because yeah. it's high profile but uh it's impressive to also hear kind of the you know some of the other um after the event before the event uh what kind of um giving back that you do yeah. for our youth community as well yeah um, it's a priority for us i mean when, when hoop fest was founded in 1990 one of the large parties was to be able to uh donate money to special olympics that's that's our primary beneficiary for from the proceeds of the event Okay. And so we're the largest donor in Eastern Washington to Special Olympics of Washington and have been for 30, you know, 32 years. So we're really proud of that partnership. We're really proud of the athletes. You know, we have a, a great relationship with both Special Olympics, with um, para-sport and wheelchair athletes, adaptive athletics, um, with unified teams, so mixed ability teams. Um, so we're really proud. So when I say that we are, you know, we're our most diverse weekend of the year, we're also our most inclusive because yeah. HoopFest isn't, you don't get to 24,000 athletes if you're only going after Kevin Durant, right? There's not, there's yeah. only one of those guys. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of athletes that, that love to participate, play basketball, be around the sport, or be around an event uh, like that. So it's a really, it's a unique thing. It's uniquely Spokane. Yeah. You know, there's a, not a community in the country that doesn't have a three-on-three -three tournament. There ain't nothing like HoopFest. <laughs> yep. um, and so it's something that we should, all should be collectively very proud of. And trust me, there's plenty of people uh, who think they're Kevin Durant that yeah, play in this tournament. That's right. So, uh, yeah, there is that. <laughs> uh, and I always like to, like, it, it kind of tongue-in-cheek, I always say it takes two types of people to make HoopFest happen. You know, one person is literally at Rotary Fountain in Riverfront Park in the heart of it all, like people and action and all the activities. And there's another person that's going to the lake on that weekend going, I'm getting as far away from downtown as I possibly can. Yeah. <laughs> but what I always say, like, we need them both because we obviously need the person that's passionate about HoopFest and Spokane and the community. But those other people that, you know, might not uh, like the crowds or like that much energy or activity, as they're driving away from downtown, they go, gosh, I'm really proud we can do that. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go. It's crazy down there. But I'm proud that Spokane can pull something like that off. Um, and so I always joke, like, no matter what, even if you're not here, you're still part of the HoopFest family. We're all doing it together. That's totally. Right. Well, I've, I mean, I've grown up here. This is my, my home. Yeah. And when HoopFest started, I was young. And so my teenage years, I've grown up with mm -hmm. HoopFest as a part of life. I never once played, but I was always involved. I was always there seeing yeah. it. And so the thing I'm trying to pull from this is what you said about the people that love the event, that love Spokane. Three on Three brings those people into yeah. town. And... And uh, from my older years and having kids, what I witness is 
people that don't have basketball shorts on that are involved and they're helping or they're just seeing the spectacle because it is amazing. It is. I mean, it is a it is a sight to see. It is, and I say that I, I appreciate that, Dwayne. I and I say all those things not hopefully and not it never comes across as a bragging way because I've only been involved since 2014. Like I'm just being a steward of this awesome thing. I get to play a really cool role as a teammate to to this thing. Um, but this is not bragging. Like it is, it is overwhelmingly cool. Yeah. Like I say that with eyes wide open from behind the curtain, from in front of the curtain. Like it is overwhelmingly cool the amount of effort, especially from the volunteers. I mean, three thousand yeah. volunteers, yeah. and it's not necessarily easy. And we have volunteers that literally have come up to me before. And said, I don't even like basketball. Exactly. But I love hoop fest. You know. And so, like to to the point is like this: the basketball in our community, and as we brought into the conversation around Hoop Town USA. Uh, different than Hoop Fest, the event, like that's the thread that connects us, right? And is especially from where I get to sit and you know and engage in the community, that's the the platform, and you I get to see how strong those 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 uh, connections are, how strong that thread is, um, because of not only my ties to Hoop Fest but my ties to Gonzaga basketball as well. I mean, two world class yeah. examples yeah. of basketball alive, right? Yeah. And we have them right here in Spokane. Well, to be totally honest i mean and your transparency is amazing that's that's cool and i didn't feel like you were uh i didn't feel like you were hyping anything other than the event itself but that at the end of the day basketball happens three on three happens then the event happens so i mean if it wasn't basketball first there would be no hoop and or no hoop and hoop fest yeah you know it's right and then it's just kind of built and morphed and built and morphed um but at the core is basketball yeah i mean that's what makes this whole thing go um Anyway, really yeah, fortunate to be a cool. part of it from this, you know, from where I get to sit. So uh, we were going to talk about this later on, but I think Hooptown USA, you know, where this part of the conversation is going, let's dive into that. So yeah. to, uh, I know probably little enough to be dangerous, so I want you to talk about <laughs> yeah. Hooptown USA. Yeah. What, what does it represent and how did it come about? Yeah, so I'll start with kind of the, I guess, the origin story, if you will. Um, my daughter's a, a Marvel fanatic, so we'll go with origin oh, stories yeah. and yeah. morph it into the multiverse or something like nice. that. Which Always is, do. you know. Um, but what it started was a few years ago, Visit Spokane, our visitors bureau here in town, wanted to rebrand. And mm-hmm. they went from near nature, near perfect, to uh, creative by nature. Mm-hmm. But in that rebranding process, they kind of can, uh, worked with, community stakeholders say, hey, what do you think Spokane stands for? And so mm-hmm. I, being a part of HoopFest, they came to HoopFest and, and asked me what, what I thought Spokane stood for. And so when I started to kind of think about it, obviously I do things through basketball filters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's my love language. And so I was like, and so I, I started to realize like, man, we are a basketball town. Yeah. Like I, my, my connection to Gonzaga basketball, my, you know, obviously the broader HoopFest community, like there's not a day that goes by that I don't, talk about basketball mm-hmm. yeah. in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And the thing that I found that was really interesting is that in a lot of times, I'm not talking with people who play basketball. I'm talking with fans, you know, the greatest yeah. you know, fan community of, of Gonzaga basketball is the retirement community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They maybe never have played basketball, or, or at least not in recent years, but they know every recruit, they know their mom and dad, they know their little nieces oh, yeah. and nephews, they know the cousins, <laughs> they know so the true. whole family. And then, of course, we, I talked b- briefly before about the volunteers at HoopFest. Like, that's what that's, is the magic sauce. And so I went back to visit Spokane. I said, we are a basketball town. Like, that's what I think we should stand for. Now, throwing a little wrinkle here, because I'm from Portland, you know, Portland's motto is keep Portland weird. 
Mm-hmm. It's not keep keep Portland eccentric and sophisticated. It's like screw it, we're weird. Let's just own it, and move on. You know. <laughs> so I went to Spokane. I was like, let's just why try to create another identity? Yeah. We have this really unique yeah. thing in the water here that's tied to basketball. So let's just own this piece of our identity, highlight it, build upon it, grow it, and you know, and screw it, move on. You yeah. know, just instead of yeah. recreating it. Now. Understandably so, that was narrowly focused for our Visitors Bureau, right? Um, However, really resonated with our office, with our organization, with my board of directors. So we started to continue to do some work on it. And lo and behold, like Hooptown USA, the trademark, the name no one owned. So it kind of, I mean, it made perfect sense, right? Hoop Fest, Hoop. Spokane is not a big city. It's, you know, it's, it's it's a big town, small city. So Hooptown is like, this is perfect. Exactly. And so we were able to trademark that, and then we kind of sat on it for a while. Then now what do you do with it? What, what does this really mean? We got approached by Riverfront Park um, on the North Bank development of Riverfront Park to put in a mm-hmm. basketball court. Yeah. And so when that we first got approached, they wanted to know if we just wanted to contribute something to that, if we were in the position to contribute some, some uh, funding for that. Mm-hmm. And at that time, we said, we don't want to just contribute. Like, we want to own the whole project you know we want to we will figure out a way to raise the money but we want to have some creative control we want to be able to to do it to where you know do something special yeah all in and so at that time we kind of brought back the hooptown usa said let's do this under the broad a broader concept of hooptown usa versus just just the event hoop fest even though that's the 800 pound gorilla that makes everything go (laughs) um that is the battleship but we so we we kind of relaunched it and we had four initiatives in mind one was the riverfront park a complex that's now built and up and running. Uh, the second piece was a Hooptown Hall of Fame, which will, awesome. we will launch in sep- next in September at Hoop Fest this year, mm-hmm. which will also be open to the public uh, with displays um, at the uh, at the shelter just south, adjacent to the basketball courts okay. um, in oh, yeah. Front Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third piece was some TLC. So over the you know 32 years of Hoopfest, we've built 32 plus community park courts. Anytime you drive yeah. by a park, you see Hoopfest backboard. That's mm-hmm. been paid for by proceeds of the event and the organization. They all need they needed some TLC, so we needed to go, wanted to revamp and enhance those. Yeah. Um, in that particular community court uh, conversation, I had a real interest in bringing like fusing together art and basketball. And so they've been doing these really beautiful things all over the world of using the basketball courts as murals mm-hmm. and having artists come in and really build these public art installations on this huge concrete slab of basketball court. Brilliant. And I was like, oh, how cool would it be to create this mosaic of art and basketball in Hooptown, USA? So imagine flying over and you got, you know, Chief Gary Park, you got Peaceful Valley, which you wouldn't be able to see because it's under a bridge, but you got <laughs> Riverfront Park, you got Thornton Murphy happening, you got Franklin Park happening this summer. Um, and so you kind of have, and then you have local artists, so you're engaging this community because at the end of the day, and now I know I'm going on a little bit of a tangent. I'm getting the chills, honestly. Well, yeah, I'm no, like, cool. getting on a little bit of a tangent, but like, it's, we're all artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's just basketball is, is someone's chosen artistic expression. Music is someone else's. Dance is someone else's. The visual arts, podcasting, public, sp- I mean, we're all artists. Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be this at odds of like, you're an athlete and I'm an artist. No, we all are artists. Mm-hmm. And so I really like the idea of fusing those two audiences together because typically they don't always jive when it really is because the culture of basketball is a whole other conversation. Not, again, not the playing experience, exactly. but how it connects people. Yeah. So the fourth piece to that Hooptown, original Hooptown USA uh, launch initiative was this idea of citywide branding. So we really wanted to create this citywide identity around Hooptown USA. So when you start to look at what we've done there, I mean, simple as the installation at the airport. 
when you get off at the airport, you see, you know, Hooptown, USA. Uh, the billboards, the banners, kind of the assets that we have in place so that when the NCAA tournament comes to Hooptown, USA, we can kind of flip the switch and boom, it looks like Hooptown, USA. I always liken it like Nashville, right? When you get off of the airport in Nashville, you get hit over the head There's with country no music, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you know exactly where you're at, right? Yeah. So in Hooptown, USA, when you get off the airplane, I want someone to throw you a basketball. Like, nice. a, like okay, got yeah. it. Okay, what, why are they throwing me a basketball? Like, oh, because nice. you're in Hooptown, USA. Like, it's going to be hitting people in the face. They're not going to know how to catch it or shoot it. But that, that that's the idea is like, we want you to know exactly where you're at. And we want you to look around and be like, this community is crazy for basketball. Like, what's going on here? Exactly. And so that identity. So we've done in that we have, you know, we have a radio station, Hooptown 101.5 with iHeart. Um, we have we've had a beer partnership with No Lie, local, you know, uh, very mm -hmm. successful microbrewery. Um, we've done Indaba Coffee. Um, we've done, you know, a number of different partnerships as we're trying to grow this idea of a community brand. Great, you know, retail offering. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, with the kind of the the latest development on that is about a month ago now, uh, City of Spokane approved it. So the City Council approved us as Hooptown USA, which allows us to put up street signs. So as you're coming in, into the city, welcome oh, to Spokane, gotcha. Hooptown USA. Yeah. Um, and so that was one of our initiatives as well. So that was kind of the, the launch of Hooptown USA. We launched that at HoopFest uh, 2019. And we were our, our big ambitious goal was to raise a million dollars to be able to bring those four initiatives to life. Yeah. And so we had kind of presented this to MultiCare Health System, who's a partner and sponsor of ours yep. on HoopFest. Um, I said, you know, what do you think? How does this make sense? And they said, you know, that, that sounds interesting. So we kind of continued that conversation for not very long, maybe three weeks, a month. And so on Saturday morning at HoopFest 2019, we're sitting in the conference room, which is not usually where I'm at Saturday morning. HoopFest is not in the conference room, <laughs> so I'm in the streets. Um, and we kind of presented with uh, or management, upper management, executive level management from MultiCare. And we said, you know, our big goal ask was a million bucks. And we'd never done this before. We'd never done a capital campaign. We don't, it's not how HoopFest oh, yeah. has been. HoopFest has always been through registration and sponsorship right. and, and different uh, revenue sources. And they said, yes, just like that. A million <laughs> bucks. Like, and yes, the, you mean yes? Right. Yes. <laughs> the first thing I thought was like, shoot, I should have asked for more money. <laughs> like, if it was going to be that, I should ask for $2 million. Um, but that was it. MultiCare saw the vision behind it, even though it was brand new. I mean, they knew who was doing it. You know, they knew, you know, the, ultimately HoopFest is the steward of this brand, of this organization is the steward of the brand. Um, but they saw the vision behind it and they put money where their mouth was and said, yes, it's about building healthier communities, which is a part of their mission statement. And this is a way for them to uh, to really bring that mission to life through us as the as the basketball effort. And so yeah. then you've you've seen now the things that we've done with it, um, and the like the uh, it seems to resonate. Mm -hmm. You know, it yeah. continues to resonate. So like what we get to do with it now is just getting more and more fun and creative um, as we look forward. Even during the pandemic, you know, we yeah. were able to put a lot of money to work and have success throughout the year, um, large in large part due to that you know that launch in 2019. Right. And so to all the MultiCare listeners out there, um, HoopFest will accept the other million dollars that you've been talking about. <laughs> yeah, so bank account's still open. Uh, go yep. ahead and get that going. That's why. And we already got all the wiring instructions dialed now, so like that's even easier. Yeah, they just we've proven the Just the all ability. push of a button at this point. <laughs> so just let us know when that happens, and we'll, we'll come back and have another podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what's really cool is that I'm a, I'm a basketball junkie and a leadership junkie, and yep. these kind of bring these two together. But... I mean, it's it's impressive how much uh, basketball 
junkies, so to speak, uh, have leadership kind of already built in. And like, I don't know if it's the, you know, ability to take a strategy and execute it on the basketball court. Yeah. It seems to translate to uh, leadership as well. It's like you guys had the strategy of Hooptown and then it's not just something on paper. It's your you're putting yeah, it out you actually there have to go do it. it. Yeah. When I think, you know, I think again, I would broaden it even beyond basketball. But when you're passionate about something, you do it, mm-hmm. right? If you're, yeah. if you, there's no secret sauce, right? I mean, if you want to be a better piano player, you got to play the piano. A yeah. better, you know, a better art, a drawing artist, you have to draw. Like I always joke around, like you want to learn how to dribble a basketball, you got to put your butt in a stance and dribble the basketball. Like mm-hmm. there's no way to do it. And you got to <laughs> do it for hours and hours and hours and hours. So I think some of that comes through. For people that have um, put themselves outside their comfort zone, yeah, in any medium for any yeah. amount of time, you get the ha- you become the habit kind of forms of being uncomfortable, and I think that's also lends itself to leadership, because in leadership, mm-hmm. a lot of times you're uncomfortable. You don't know. I don't know. I don't always have the answers, but sometimes I got to shoulder the choice. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. that's my responsibility. I also think in sports, and I, this one may be a little bit more specific to sport in general. But one of the greatest lessons sports teaches is how to lose. Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. You know, a lot of people never know how to. It's a, it's a horrible feeling. Like it's, it hurts. It, it physically hurts you when you lose. Yeah. But if you grow up with that feeling, you know, like you just get back up. Yeah. You go play again. You try a little harder. If you couldn't dribble left-handed again, you better go work on that before the next time you go on the big stage, the court, and play. Like, right. so it teaches you these kind of these habits of resilience. And these habits of, of diligence and these habits of then and then broad, like it's teamwork, it's goal setting, it's discipline, um, all yeah. those things as well. So you're learning all these things without it. You don't even know you're learning them half the time because you're a kid, one, and you're playing a game. Yeah. It is fun. Yeah. And you're on accident. You're learning all these things so that when you get to a role, in a, as you get older into more professional role, you're actually you don't even you're more prepared for whatever that environment's going to throw at you because you have these kind of these you've been building these habits. And yeah. so I think, in, in, at least for sport, I always like that analogy, like learning to lose, learning to kind of pick yourself back up, because that's what you need more often in life than you just don't win. Yeah. yeah. You don't win every time. And like, and I always joke, like, in basketball, like, I've lost more often than most people have played. But I've won more than I've lost. Yeah. Like, that's how much I've, I've actually <laughs> been as uncomfortable that often. Where, and like in basketball, too, I, I always say it's like the most intimate sport like you're literally running around in your underwear, right? <laughs> you got a tank top and shorts on, and you better believe if you can't dribble left-handed, there will be some mom in the crowd going, "Force him left-handed! He sucks!" <laughs> and going like, "You're just out there going like, oh my god, like, uh, I don't know what to do." But you, you either you shrink from that or you rise up and you go like, "Yeah, force me left-handed because I've worked on it. I've yeah. worked you. So go ahead." Feel free. But those are the types of lessons you learn unbeknownst to yourself while you're doing it. So yeah. then apply to you know, everything else that you do the rest of your life. So you mentioned you, you were part of some decent teams, air quotes, <laughs> I, um, Gonzaga, yep. basketball, uh, some some overseas yep. Uh, yep. professional teams as well. Um, when you're in that experience, um, do you realize kind of what's be, what's happening with yourself personally as far as this is shaping me as a as a leader? No, or no, I don't think come later. I don't. Yeah, I think that comes with a, with a later a, a different perspective. But what you're what you get back to is the habits. You know, I think that's that's what you're aware of, because even at Gonzaga, because my time at GU, I had three different coaches. And the first coach, Dan Fitzgerald, who has since passed away, uh, was my coach my redshirt year and freshman year. 
And then it went to Coach Dan Munson, and then went to Coach Few, who's the current coach. And Coach Fitzgerald and Coach Few recruited me out of high school. Mm -hmm. But what happened when we switched from Fitzgerald to Munson was we scheduled differently as a, as a program. So what Fitzgerald was a little bit more old school, maybe a little more conservative in how he scheduled. And what I say by conservative is he was trying to schedule wins. You know, yeah. so you'd play the Sisters of the Poor and the, you know, you'd play all these teams because <laughs> you were trying to get these wins. That's an exaggeration. But the yeah. um, but with uh, Coach Munson and the younger crew, they said, let's go big. I mean, we go play top of the world classic. We play uh, Tulsa, Mississippi State, Clemson. Next week, we go to Michigan State, play at East Lansing at Michigan State. We go to Kansas. Wow. Uh, you know, so they just said, let's go. And then we happened to be luck good enough. And lucky enough to win those some of those games, so like our confidence was growing. We're like, yeah. oh, we can, mm -hmm. oh, we can do this. Yeah, like this is interesting. Like, and then it kind of snowballed and built and built and built. And so when we got onto the big big stage in the NCAA tournament, my junior year, we by that time we were prepared. But what I'm saying with, to answer your question, it was just habits. Like we didn't. Yeah. it wasn't. You just every day you just tried to get better. Mm -hmm. And so you would go every day, and you and for us, a priority was winning. A priority wasn't my personal game or your personal game or yours. It was like, how do we get better as a group? And we had a team that bought into that concept, and we worked our butts off. Like, man, everyone else went to parties. We were in the weight room. Yeah. Friday night, at midnight, at, we'd walk across campus in the snow because we had a key to the gym. We'd get our jumpers up. Like, that was – and yeah. I'm, again, not saying – that was just what we did. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. didn't know any better. Yeah, I wasn't smart enough to know that we should have been at parties having fun. Like no, it was like we were going to go work on our game. So it was just, it was just a, the habit building um, that now, with perspective, you look back and say, "Gosh, we were doing some, you know, some decent things by taking care of ourselves and putting the extra work and the time and have that dedication." Yeah. At the time, you were just, in my mind at least, I knew that I wasn't good enough not to do that. Yeah. And if I didn't do that, when I met someone that was equal to me, they would beat me. So I just yeah. didn't ever want to be outworked. Smart, you know. Yeah, but that was, but it was as simple as that. Like it wasn't this grandiose plan. Um, and then on the like the, with our particular group, as we started to have some success, uh, we had a lot of attention from the media, you know, local, national media, and so people respond to that in a lot of different ways too. Some people, like I like, I like this stuff. Like I like trying to explain, yeah, you know, answer questions. I like trying to explain maybe some difficult concepts. Mm -hmm. um, so I like doing the media, and so I got practice. Public yeah. speaking. Oh yeah. No, yeah. Unbeknownst to me, I was developing a skill <laughs> that I could use, you know, yeah. on my professional life, you know, beyond um, beyond playing basketball. So it's like, you know, on accident, I got to learn how to speak in front of people and became comfortable, you know, somewhat comfortable being able to do that. Yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. like, just kind of some of that stuff's dumb luck, but I think it's it's the culmination of habits of being willing to fail. Yeah. You know, knowing you can pull yourself back up. You know, get putting yourself in opportunity to be uncomfortable on a regular basis because that's where you grow. Yeah. And then just doing that over and over and over again. And then, because I think the thing that people lose is that you don't wake up on third base. Like, you don't wake up as a leader. These yeah. are things that are developed over time. Um, and I think, you know, when by the time you all interview people, they're already leaders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of times they've forgotten how they, they are. Well, well, enough or forgotten how they got there. Yeah. 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 You know, because mm -hmm. life kind of, you know, the universe aligns to do some things for us, you know? And so, um, well, I and their actions don't necessarily, uh, it's not like you're choosing every action to say, I, I want to arrive on the leadership <laughs> mountaintop someday. Right. I think that's a common leadership theme that we hear is like the leaders wouldn't necessarily say I am a certified leader. It's yeah. like, to your point, I had habits and I had a work ethic that 
I didn't know was going to shape me to what I am today. Um, but this is just my, it's yeah. just my being. Like yeah. I, and I, I don't know how to do anything to do that. else. Yeah. And I think for me too, because the teen nature of, of a lot of where those lessons are learned, like Hoopfest, for example, um, like if everything's going well, like I'm probably bored, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. my job, I'm, I'm not smarter than anyone else in this office, collectively in this room. Like that's not my, it's not my role. And I, I don't aspire to be. I aspire to be surrounded, like hire the right people, empower the right people, be a volunteer or teammate, let them do their thing, but then be their safety net in case something goes wrong and shoulder that responsibility. You know, because if we win, it's a team win. Yeah. If we lose, I, I'm, I'm strong enough to shoulder that. Yeah. I've done that before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. that's kind of my philosophy is just make people around you better. Yeah, I yeah. Think, I think at the end of the day, that kind of works, but that's mine. And it's I think embracing failure, yeah. like it, it, and maybe even failure is is too light of a word. Maybe it's uh, more like, oh, no, failure works. Yeah. I mean, it, at the end of the day, <clears throat> the team as a collective was producing ninety nine percent effective, and the two little things that fail seems to be easy to highlight. Yeah. And so, in my opinion, a good leader takes the, takes the the fail yeah. and learns from it, and then you know opens that up to the team here's how that whole situation could have been handled better by yeah. us doing it together instead of you did that wrong yeah so it's not like forcing them to accept they dropped the ball yeah no pun and, intended and, well and everyone <laughs> everyone responds differently right because some people need a pat on the back some people yeah, need that's a right in their ass like that's just then that you learn that in sports too yeah because i tell you what i didn't have many coaches that patted you on the back you know so i learned in a, in a way that was really personally demeaning um, and so you learn those, you know, you learn those tactics, you, you learn how you respond to that stuff. Um, and then, you know, in the position where I am now, where I kind of get to build my own team, yeah. you know, trying to take some of those nuggets and lessons I've learned and trying to, you know, again, and keep, make people around me better so that ultimately the goal, whatever the goal is in our case, you know, basketball tournaments and, and basketball related things, community related things, um, ultimately get to benefit from so on that note, um, Phil Jackson, coach of the, yep. he's best known as the coach of the Chicago Bulls during their run, uh, LA Lakers after that. Um, in the book, 11 Rings, um, you kind of get a view behind the curtain of, of Coach Phil, and he clearly has a different style for each player. He gives them different books to read, yeah. uh, depending on their personality. When I read that book, it's amazing, it's impressive, and it worked. Um, but how to execute that without uh, making people feel like the standards are different for, for different else, team yeah. players? How, how have you come across that? Yeah, well, I'm not as advanced as Coach, as, 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 uh, Coach Jackson, for sure. Um, I think that's a really wonderful thing. Um, I think there's a certain level of, of just fairness in how you treat people. I think I'm also spoiled. I'm spoiled for the role that I'm in for a couple reasons. One, we're a small team. Yeah. Right? So, you know, everyone knows each other really, really well. Yep. And, you know, other people may know each other better than I know them. So that that's and we it's 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 a small group Two, we're the hardest working team of basketball, like to produce as much as we produce with such a small budget. And so few people it's I would put us up against any other basketball yeah. organization. Say, mm-hmm. let's, I was let's on the least, web. Let's at least compete on it. You know, like mm-hmm. let's at least have a conversation about it. I was on the website yesterday and I'm scrolling through who we are and I'm like, okay, where's the other like 30 people on the, on this yeah. team here? And it, nope. There's just seven. No, just us. It's impressive. And then I think too, where I'm really, really spoiled for the, the role that I am in this organization is that people care about what they do. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have yeah. to, I'm not managing people. 
Like I'm just trying to empower people yeah. and I'm not managing them because they manage themselves. They're professionals. They care about the organization. They care about our programs. They care about the community and they're pr proud of their work. So, I mean, really it's stay out of their way more than anything. Mm -hmm. So me in a different role, if we were, you know, making widgets on the manufacturing line with a different type of uh, employee or a different type of teammate, that's yeah. a different type of needed in leadership. Yeah. In this particular group, it, it, you know, like I said, I'm spoiled. It's easy because they care. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Doyle, you're kind of a, you're kind of an events junkie. Oh uh, man, I'm, I'm getting seriously amped because <laughs> I've experienced two fest. I've been in the trenches yep. with you guys, yep. um, uh, almost arm in arm with volunteers. We actually had volunteers on a digital level. Yeah. And so the reason I'm bringing this up on a very light scale is if, if you haven't experienced Hootfest, you got to come down and witness it. It is bigger than we can even explain. You can't look at the website. You can't see it. Yeah. We tried recreating it on YouTube. You cannot see how big the event is until you walk the perimeter. And then you see on the website, there's seven people doing this. Yeah. It's a team. It's a team effort. And it's a it's a team effort that inspires team effort that inspires team effort that inspires team yeah. effort. And it literally just keeps on going. Comes right down to the to the business owners. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, if you ever want to be humbled, go spend time with the volunteers. Yeah. The amount of yeah. work and the hard work that volunteers put in on this thing, like any time that we would ever, like as the seven of us in the office would ever um, want to pat ourselves on the back, like you just spend <laughs> 10 minutes with a volunteer going like, yeah, I can do more. Yeah. You know, yeah. I got to figure out a way to do more because if you're willing to do that for a t-shirt or even if you're one of the ones that get a pair of shoes, like if you're willing to do that for a pair of shoes, like... How am I, how can I not do that? Yeah. And, you know, and, and back to the leadership style thing is like, it's almost like the Michael Jordan uh, last dance. He's like, I never asked anyone to do anything that I wasn't willing to do myself. Exactly. Yeah. And like, that is the collective, right? That is the the collective spirit of HoopFest. And the other thing that I found really interesting, you, you mentioned Toyota before we got on air, but I believe there was a Toyota shop in Southern California. They had the 10 foot rule. And if you walked within 10 feet of a problem, it became your problem too. Oh yeah, and that was kind of there. I huh. think it was maybe in the in the shop in the, the maintenance shop. Is like, okay, if you walked within ten feet. Now, there's two ways to look at that. Walk eleven feet from everybody. You know, always stay eleven <laughs> feet away, <laughs> so you're never in anyone else's problem. Walking around with the yard. Exactly. Yeah. Talk about the social distancing for other reasons, but um, or you, it's that sense of ownership, and that's where I think also the Hoopfest volunteer effort is. Is like if you walk and you see someone that needs help, you help. Yeah. You just it's not a question. What's in it for me? How do what? How do I get recognition for this? No, nope. like Doyle needs help. I help, and so you start to see some of that kind of team spirit around. And again, I get to yeah. see it all. You're going like, man, this yeah. is overwhelming. It's so cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. So to your point, like it's just a really wonderful thing to be a part of. Yeah, I've, I've been to a lot of events. I've covered a lot of events in the last ten years. Some of the ones out of town on a huge scale, like a lot to lose. It needed to sell out. The right people had to be there at the right time. Yeah. Very logistical. Um, it, it, putting it into perspective, comparing it to Hoopfest, which isn't even fair because it shames every other event I've done. It at scale, there's so much going on with seven people at the helm. Yeah. I, I, I just it, it's overwhelming to be totally honest, and it's actually intimidating for people coming in from the outside and trying to involve themselves to a degree. 
but the yeah. inspiration's right there. It's like you cross that line and you're in. It's you're like in. the 10 foot rule. Yeah. It's like, it's, that's in. right. Everybody has a little something different to bring to the table. Yep. And that goes for every event, but for the broad perspective of HoopFest, it became a broad event and it fills up a lot of parking lots, takes over the whole, the yep. whole, I'm assuming people listening to this may be out of town and living under a rock, but yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's crazy. I always like to, like we've had a couple, we had ESPN here in 2015. Um, we, you know, a great relationship with Nike. And it's always fun because, like, when ESPN came, I think they came in April or May of that year. Turned yeah. out it's in June. And you walk them all through downtown and you kind of tell them the site. And it's three square miles. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's imagine for out of town, imagine Disneyland, yeah. literally the footprint of Disneyland with full of basketball. Yeah, because that's what it is. It's three square miles. Like it's Coachella <laughs> numbers. It's Disneyland. It's name name an event. Like we we're, people don't really understand the the yeah. breadth of this thing. But ESPN was really I thought was always really funny because they would come and we walk them around. You go basketball. You know as far as the eye can see, and basketball as far as the eye can see. And they go, oh yeah, we do these community events all the time. Kind of like a little bit condescending. Like oh this is cute. You know you have a three on three basketball tournament, and then they come back in June and, and hoop fest is happening. They go. What the shit is this? Like this is a real like this, I'm trying to I tried to tell you like it's a real thing like I'm not joking. They're like oh my gosh like this is crazy. And I'm like yeah it is I know. no joke I know it's crazy. And so but it's fun when you get those out of towners that come in or they're coming back to Spokane maybe for the first time in many years yeah. or maybe they grew up here and have left or they're now they're bringing their kids back or whatever that I mean if you have if you're gonna come back to Spokane for Christmas or Hoop Fest you're gonna choose Hoop Fest yeah mm-hmm. you know because that's when everyone's here mm-hmm. you know and then the and the town's alive so it's it's just a really stinking unique event I don't know how else it's to, pretty how surreal else to describe it it's also dripping with um it's it's uh, nostalgia mm-hmm. it's dripping with um, unique um customs yeah uh and uh, like taping on friday night yeah i never knew this but you get involved with the event you break into that 10 feet zone and you all of a sudden start seeing things where people are just lit up and they're on fire and they may not be a basketball person but they can sure lay tape straight and they know right where to put it on the painted lines it's special (laughs) it's super cool yeah and and the way that city transforms like friday night when we get the streets at about 7 p.m when we shut everything down and we build in normal years 425 basketball courts. You know, you have the army of volunteers, the forklifts, the tape crew, and it's all this coordinated madness. But Friday night is magic. Like when it, when this Pretty place cool. transforms and there's no more cars and we own the streets. And as soon as a basketball hoop goes into the middle of the street, it doesn't have to be extended yet to 10 feet. It could be sitting there. There's people everywhere. Just every basketball, every basket's full. People playing, just going like, where did all these people it's come from? It's transformed, yeah. And then Sunday, we shut it all down within hours. Monday morning, you come back to work. You never knew who fest was here. Yeah, downtown's, that's the cool Downtown's part. cleaner <laughs> than when, it, when you left Friday afternoon. Downtown is cleaner on Monday morning when you get back. And 250,000 so people enjoyed the downtown area. So as we've explained HoopFest to the max, taking mm-hmm. it back to the leadership core here. So now you see Friday happen. Yep. Matt Santangelo, the unofficial mayor of Hooptown, yeah. uh, sees Friday night happen. Monday night clean as a whistle. Monday morning clean as a whistle. What? How? How could you sum that up in maybe a paragraph that yeah, would, would, uh, would bring it to a leadership the, level? The um, hoop fest hangover. That's a real thing. <laughs> You're in a zone for about two weeks to because yeah because the last couple of months even COVID notwithstanding or pandemic notwithstanding like the three months leading up to hoop fest is just a it's just a steep climb that gets steeper and steeper. It never it never stops. Yeah. Um, and then you're stressed because there's so many things outside of our control. Mm-hmm. 
pandemic included, um, just for that our style of an event. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of you know stress and anxiety around this time too as you're planning to get everything ready uh, so that you can enjoy the weekend. So Mondays, uh, you know, um, you are like worn out. You're emotionally spent for a little yeah. while. Um, but it immediately you go back. I went my first year, 2014. You know, I thought Monday's like sweet. We got through it. It was you know successful, safe, um, and you thought you could take a deep breath. You can't because it's a monster to put away. Oh yeah, and no one knows. And so if we do our job, no one really knows everything that is was broken because it's. I mean, essentially, yeah. if you look at our areas, retail store, sponsor garden, mm-hmm. our site ops, uh, beverage uh, program. Uh, tape and cleanup, um, garbage and recycling, all these different areas, team check-in, they're basically all, we have about 25 major events yeah. that all happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you start to do all the cleanup of what went right, what went wrong. Right. Because we want to get better. So then it becomes more of the coaching thing. Gotcha. Like then it's like you're watching the game film. You're going, oh, yeah. okay, what went right, what went wrong, how do we make it better? And then you hope that you write it down because you have a year before you get to practice again. You know, it's not like, it's like hey, we're going to go do it next weekend and we're going to get better. It's like, I got to remember all this stuff for next year. How did we, didn't we forget? We, I mean, we forgot stuff that, you know, it's like, how do we remember it all? So it's like you immediately do that. And then you start the stewardship. You know, you start if, if things did go wrong or certain areas or, or certain people had a bad experience, you're starting to, to communicate that. So that's yeah. the ones that, you, you know, even though you may not want to, you still got to stand up and go do it. You got to go make sure that these people are heard, make sure you're identified in real, if they're real problems, what that looks like, what that solution is. Take accountability for things that, mistakes that we may have made. Um, you know, it's, it's, it happens really quickly. And then the next piece is stewardship on sponsors, like all those great sponsors and partners that, yeah, you know, support us. Make, mm-hmm. what did, did we represent them in the right way? Did you get out of it what you wanted to? How do we get you back next year? Yeah, show them you know, some How do we love make and, next year even better? Yeah. Um, and so all that happens right after the event. I say the only difference between pre-event and post-event as far as like hours work and workload is that just my blood pressure goes down. It's just, <laughs> you're not as stressed, you know, because you don't have that looming deadline of the event yeah. coming, but just all the same amount of work. And then it's, it's like painting the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, as soon as you get done, start at the you beginning. go back to the start, you start painting yep. that thing again, you know. So there's a lot of, a lot of that um, people just don't know. And, you know, yeah. frankly, they don't need to. When I first took the job, I, I, they're like, gosh, is that a full-time job? Like, what do you do the rest of the year? And, I, it, it, and it, at first, I like, I was defensive, and so I'd give them my resume. Well, well, did you know that we do this, 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 this? And they go, oh, wow, yeah, I didn't know that. Well, after a couple years, I'm like, I don't need to explain myself mm-hmm. to you. Like, we're busy. Yes, yeah. it's a full, full-time. You want to come? You want to do it? You know, like, I'll, I'll get more do defensive like that way. Like, you want to trade, <laughs> trade shoes? I'll go sell insurance for a day or whatever. Like, yeah. I, you come run this thing and see how it works, you know, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I get yeah. a little more snarky now in my old age and veteran status. But um, <laughs> uh, but at first, it was like you really kind of wanted to defend, like, yeah, God, this organization has all these things. Or now it's just like, if it looks easy, then we're doing our part. Yeah, it's know, awesome. we're, we're doing it the right way. So as you're well, walking us through all that, um, I'm envisioning Kobe Bryant. He used to uh, play a game, and then he'd often be back in the gym that very night yep. getting up jumpers. And it's like uh, it sounds like that's what you guys are doing. I mean, you execute, but then you're back in working on the yeah, right away the craft. muscle yeah, memory, so. yeah, muscle memory, and it's no drills. Cool. And when it's and when you remember it, you yeah. Know, if you wait a week, you start to forget that one hot button topic isn't as hot a week later. Yeah. You know, so you yeah. have, and people want to be heard. You know, if they have a complaint, if they had a bad experience, if for whatever, you know, whatever their experience was at Hoop Fest, you want to make sure we acknowledge them. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, that's what they're, they're 
everyone's a part of it. You yeah. know, it's like yep. it's not us doing something. And you're just watching. I think that from an event standpoint, it also makes it Hoopfest really unique. I call it a participatory event mm-hmm. because you're not just buying. You're not buying tickets to go see the talent. Right. We're not going to see an NBA game or a musician or whatever. You know, that's what most people think of is like you you go watch the talent at Hoopfest. We are the talent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we are the one. We're the show. We're the entertainers. We're the we are the talent, which is a completely different thing. So when the talent says, "I experienced this," you have to listen, and you yeah. should want to listen because you back to coaching and leadership. Like you want to get better. Yeah. And if you want to get better, you got to listen to coaching. So. Absolutely. So I'm I'm still a kid at heart, and uh, whenever I think of Hoop Fest, uh, you mentioned ESPN came to town. You know, I know uh, Kevin Durant has yep. been here. Um, I've seen Brandon Roy, Nate Robinson, a lot of others, and and it's surreal. So I I always am curious, like, behind the scenes, I mean, how does the contact with Kevin Durant happen? Is it uh, Matt says, hey, Kevin, uh, texting him, hey, do you want to swing by, dude? Uh, (laughs) No, but I'm curious, how does that interaction happen and come together? Yeah, so with with athletes at that level, um, that's all our relationship with Nike. Yeah. It was a couple years in the making because we just asked, like, how do we get – and the, yeah. the challenges we had was that Nike didn't want to bring their their B list athlete. Yeah. And so because they have a level of athlete, KD included, that's private playing, like they get the jet. Yeah. And then they have a number of obviously Nike athletes that aren't that are commercial planes. That's kind of some of their internal ratings. <laughs> and so the commercial plane people would love Hoop Fest, but it's harder to get to Spokane. Yeah. You know, you're coming from wherever you're coming from to get into Spokane. They're like ah, and so that never really materialized. So. Kevin Durant was like a private plane thing, but it happened literally the week of the event. So like I get a call on Wednesday of Hoopfest week in 2017 and there go a 50-50 chance we got KD coming this weekend. I'm like, okay, but don't tell anyone, okay? (laughs) Thursday was like 80, I think Thursday was 90-10. Friday was 99% he was gonna come on Sunday. And we're going through operations and run a show to how to to get him in and out of town in two hours without, and they didn't wanna tell anyone. Wow. And so we, we start to build the run of show, security, how we want to get him to the Grand Hotel, how we want to introduce him to Hoop Fest, how we want to interview him at Center Court. Um, and then I start to tell him, like, by Sunday afternoon, like, people love Hoop Fest, but by Sunday afternoon, you're like, I'm out. I'll yeah. see you next year. I'm tired. It's hot. Like, I want to go home. Yeah. And so we had to start leaking it. So Saturday night, we start leaking it to certain people, not from the office, but we'd leak it to it's someone they would leak it, leak it, yeah. leak it. Like we got to stick around so that by Sunday afternoon it was still packed. Yep. And then when he hit the streets, man, it, we <laughs> we were planning for the whole tournament to shut down. Like we thought if you were playing up at the arena, as soon as you heard Kevin Durant was here, like those games are done. Was, yeah. Like it's over. But what do we do when you see Kevin Durant? Then you go back to finish your game because those are all championship games, you know. And so like <laughs> just trying to figure midnight. out, like anticipate all the things that are going to happen once you sh- effectively shut down Hoop Fest for Kevin Durant, and it was awesome. It was so good. I got to interview him. I had a list of questions uh, that Nike had, had scripted for me. Yeah. And so I'm at center court, and the first question was kind of a jab. It was like, hey, because the last time Kevin was in Spokane <laughs> was his last college game. He, oh, the, interesting. Freshman at Texas, Texas, NCAA regionals were in Spokane, yeah. and he, they lost in the first round. That's right. So he was the last, and they made me, they, like, my first question so was like, like, last time in Spokane, dude. Kevin, you got your butt kicked, you know? Was like, <laughs> I'm like, like, I am not, I'm like, no yeah. way. Like, I am no way am I going to say this negative <laughs> comment to Kevin Durant while I, I'm looking up at him having here at center court. Well, so I rewarded it. And it was awesome, too, because I rewarded the question, 
I think I asked the gist of, like, you've been here before in Spokane. Yeah. I just didn't say how or why. They kind of wanted me to give some context. <laughs> and so and he looked at me, and he answered the question out that it was scripted. So he was ready for it. Oh. And then I was like, oh, we got a professional here. Like, he's <laughs> nice. already, he, he was already scripted, too. And so I was like, oh, this will be easy. So then we just had a conversation. He was, he was fantastic for the two hours. That's awesome. But it was really interesting because Nike said as soon as we leave center court, it's going to get ugly. So Brian able to, to plan how he would leave center court and get into the car because he was going straight to the airport. Literally, he was only on the ground for two hours, two and a wow. half hours. But he's like, as soon as people think this is the last time that they'll ever get to see Kevin Durant in person, like it's gonna, it'll, yeah. it'll escalate. And sure enough, as soon as we started walking off of center court and people started to get a feel that this was their last chance, it just, That's just crowds. <laughs> and they had, we had our police, Spokane police was engaged, our, our you know, volunteer site um, operations and security people. He had his, his team, Nike had their group. So, I mean, we had lots of people, but sure enough, like, banging on the, the van door and just it was like ooh, oh, wow. man. like how quickly it could you know yeah and it didn't fortunately but you're kind of watching like it's a powder keg right now like is this could go the wrong way <laughs> just like wow this is crazy and then as soon as you got in the van he got outside of the barricade the fence of hoop fest side i was like sweet he's out safe we're good out of we're our good. out of our uh, responsibility now that's uh, i love these stories i um, I'm not comparing players. He's obviously a very high high caliber, and I remember a, an interaction with Nate Robinson, yep. and, which was a lot different. So I was just walking in uh, center court at the time, which was in the middle of the park, and um, I looked over, and there was a couple guys that drove up in a golf cart, didn't recognize them, and then there was a third golf cart and I'm I took a double take and it was Nate Robinson yeah, yep. he just rolled up and yeah uh, you know some people knew who he was others didn't and he just kind of casually yep. watched the games at center court and yeah. uh it might have gotten more escalated than that but yeah uh, I mean my my favorite one like organic is Jamal Crawford he oh he yeah and Will Conroy come over and they bring their boys over to play every year so he's a mm. he's a hooper, oh, yeah. super, right I mean yeah Jamal is, is I mean everyone looks up to Jamal and so I remember seeing him on Friday night walking down the street, and I stopped, and I go, dang. I'm like, and he's just a dad. Like, that's my favorite part is, like, yeah. you know, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. But, like, when Nate shows up or Isaiah Thomas showed up in 19, but when Jamal shows up, he's just here literally as a dad. Yeah. Interesting. And he's one of the greatest who've ever that's done it. That's super cool. would be another example, right? He's the, one of the greatest who've ever touched the ball that everyone in the city is playing with. <laughs> and they just show up as dad. And I, I remember going up to Jamal, and and he's a couple years younger than me, but we, we crossed paths before, so we knew each other. And I said, Jamal. And I, I not always never never sure who he's, who's going to remember. It's like, hey, it's Matt Santana. He's yeah. like, oh, I know who you are. And we, and so we kind of <laughs> have, have forged a, a nice friendship through Hoop Fest of just being a dad. Like yeah. Jamal Crawford as a celebrity or former <laughs> NBA player at that time, NBA player, just as a dad. And I, that's, that's my, so those cool. are my favorite. That's Hoop Fest. I mean, that's totally Hoop Fest. That's yeah. so cool. There's another full episode here about I know just <laughs> the way that leaders interact with the public, but uh, we'll save that for next time. <laughs> Topic for another show. Yeah. <laughs> Those I are feel awesome like I've stories. hijacked most of no, this stuff. No, I love it. I oh, love it's it. good. Well, this is what we want. We want the we want the show to speak for itself. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. Cool. I think it's time for the seventh inning I, stretch. I agree because it's basketball. So why not have a baseball, baseball theme? There are no know? basketball. It's always like we got to get across the goal line, yeah, the, the finish line. Hey, the kickoff is going to be – there are no – Yeah, meeting kickoff. Yeah, and there's no tip-off. Slam, slam dunk would be one, but that's super cheesy. Like there are no basketball. <laughs> it's always other sports. And 
I don't know. I'm we, a banker, and there is one that we use. Yeah. Uh, if a deal is very, very straightforward, it's a slam dunk deal. Yeah. So yeah, there that's you go. right. That's the one. That's the one. Or we could go baller on some cool topics. <laughs> <laughs> or not. Or not. We yeah. Don't have to do that. Okay. So we'll go for the seventh inning stretch. So so this is uh, kind of one of my favorite parts of the podcast. It's it's a little separation from uh, from the leadership perspective and a focus on the leader. Yep. And uh, so we want to find out, we're starting to collect a few interesting little restaurants and things from the seventh inning stretch. So we'll just go right into it. Favorite Spokane entertainment from Matt Santangelo. Uh, entertainment? Yeah. Um, comedy club. Oh, sweet. I thought yeah. you were going to say Hoop Fest. Well, I mean, Hoop Fest <laughs> is a given. I thought, I thought we were trying to broaden it out a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I think we've had one other guest that, that brought up the comedy club. That's right. Yeah, good cool. spot. Favorite Spokane neighborhood? Uh, South Perry. Awesome. Is there a court? Uh, yep, at Grant Park. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Ever played? Uh, we used to do, we did a ball and brew there pre-COVID <laughs> where we did open, kind of open run. Just we would go play and then we would go over to um, Perry Street Brewing and had they gave us a little deal. You know how like the running clubs, um, the Flying Irish and things will meet at a bar. They'll go do their run and they'll come finish back oh, at yeah, the yeah. bar and, yeah. and enjoy a drink and enjoy you know camaraderie. And, and so we try to build a basketball version of that. Awesome. So, mm. Yeah, but yeah, that's cool. There. Favorite Spokane coffee shop? Uh, I and Daba should pay me for how much <laughs> I go there. Um, and Thomas, the new Thomas Hammer on Grant. Oh yeah, oh, nice. yeah. About thirty. Nice building too. Uh, is, those, yeah. um, is that their uh, like flagship? Yeah. Brewer, uh, um, roastery. Uh, I don't think they roast there. They still roast over here on Pacific, um, but it says they have food and they there get go, uh, beer yeah. and wine too. So you can do afternoon. You know, you can sit there and I, I really enjoy that. That's one. a cool spot. But it's I cool. spend a lot of time in Adaba here on Riverside. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not very close. Yeah. I mean, you gotta get in your car and drive there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, up to Hammer or to Adaba. No, no, Adaba. You just go across the street. Yep. Okay, and I'm be total dad joke in here. That was crazy. Um, favorite Spokane restaurant? Uh, most regularly hit is probably Saranac Public House down on nice. Main. Oh, okay. Um, the best margaritas I've ever had and the best guacamole I've ever had is at Zona Blanca, Chad White's. Oh, yeah. Uh, the yeah, Ceviche that place is spot, great. Um, up here on Howard. Um, big fan of Heritage Bar and Grill, the best oh, chicken yeah. tenders in town. Hmm. Um, let's see. We uh, this is and when I, you asked me what my favorite entertainment was, I almost said eating out. I, nice. I love going yeah. to restaurants. Like I just, it's one of my favorite things is to go and and to new spots. I try to hit most all of them, and I got the, some regular hunts that I go. Yeah. We say this is the Lilac City Leadership Podcast, but it ends up being like the food podcast. Yeah, we're always no, talking food, about get food. people going on it. Yeah, so, it's um, great. Yeah, so it's pretty it's, cool. I think that'd have to go with some combination of what I just said. We got. We'll add some more to our list. We we post them on social media. Um, I don't know what what is it, Savannah? Once every two weeks, two two to month, maybe every month. Once every while. Every while, <laughs> yeah. So we're we're getting we're getting posts out about our collection of, of favorite coffee shops from our guests. Yeah. Favorite restaurants, pretty cool. Um, what do you enjoy most about Spokane? Uh, the connectedness of it. I, I'm not, mm -hmm. I think too now is obviously a really um, you know has been a challenging time for a long time like it's it's really divisive we're really living in a very divisive time and Spokane I think is interesting because um, it has a good mix of that division if that's yeah. the right way to say it yeah, yeah. we're all neighbors yeah. we all know each other um, and so it, it's not it's not where we're all homogenous and one one way of looking at things and we're not Idaho. <laughs> 
kidding. <laughs> kidding all, all the Idahoan listeners. Um, but are we kidding? But I guess we are kidding. But, we're, but we, are, we are in the middle. You know, and, and, I, and unfortunately, we've lost a lot of that middle where you, either, mm-hmm. you have to your extremes on either side. So, mm-hmm. And I um, may be taking the answer in the wrong direction, but it's that, it is that connectedness. Yeah. You know, it is you know, the two degrees of separation maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, from where I sit, it's it's maybe, I don't know if it's a full two degrees, um, but that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, agree. We, we know each other. We care for each other. We, we um, you know, we celebrate each other's wins and we feel each other's losses, I think. Yeah. Um, always could be better, but that's what I, I like about Spokane. I, lo- I love the fact that Spokane is really the largest small town in America. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that should be the utmost encouragement to just be nice to everybody. Yeah. Because word gets out fast. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, comes that's around very true. quick. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've heard of people having to mitigate what they said and <laughs> wish they yeah, wouldn't. Yeah, it's uh, it is it, that part is true. Um, but again, I don't know. I I, I like that part. I mean, I, lo- I love the four seasons. I don't mm-hmm. like the, this new fifth one we've had the last few years with fire season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hate our roads. I think it's the greatest irony of all that we have the l- world's largest street ball basketball tournament and our streets suck. <laughs> um, I just think that's so funny to me. It's like, oh my gosh. Um, and so, but but it's also kind of part of the charm. You know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I like the access too. Maybe that is the whole connectedness. Yeah, that you you can get to people, you can get to decision makers quickly. You know, you can mm-hmm. ask for you can ask for help. People are willing to to mentor, to answer questions, to help. Um, you know, for the most part, and I think that's that's unique to our you know our community, size of community too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Matt, who's the most interesting person you've met along the way on your journey? Oh gosh, um, most interesting person. I don't know. Um, I mean, I've had an opportunity to meet some, you know, some NBA players, uh, you know, Michael Jordan and John Stockton, um, some all-time greats. Uh, Dr. J was interesting. Actually, he came to Italy um, wow. for a yeah. funeral of a former teammate who was involved in the leadership of a team I was playing for. Oh, interesting. So Dr. J came to Italy for that service, and we got to hang out with him for a couple of days, and he caught one of our games and nice. went, to, went to dinner with him in really casual settings. <laughs> um but most interesting person, I don't know. Sometimes I think most interesting, like who do I like when stuff hits the fan? Who do you, who are you gonna call? Like, yeah, I think about that. Uh, I've thought about that often. Like what what friend group? And I have a friend group from grade school, high school. Yeah, that I know if 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 it didn't matter what the occasion called for. Yep, like they would be there. That's cool. Um, so when I think interesting, I think um, one 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 gentleman in particular. Um, his name is Sean. Uh, who is kind of our, our resident comedian in, in that particular friend group, and every friend group has one. But I remember any time we're, we're sitting with them, um, I was sitting with him with my, with my sons, Calvin and Luca, this was several years ago, and we're sitting around the table, and we were probably having a beer and just kind of doing glory day stories and stuff yeah. like that. And I remember walking out, and Calvin looked at me, my oldest son, and he was, he's 16 now. This probably would have been, he probably have been 11 or 12, uh, maybe even a little bit younger, and he's like, Dad, like I've never seen you laugh like that, and I th- at the time I thought like that's you know of course because we were with Sean and our, our group yeah. of friends and you know never he never then I was like that's kind of sad that my 11 year old son or however old he was had never seen me laugh like that, um, but it goes to show. So when I when you say interesting, he's the one that popped into my head that no yeah. one knows, but he's the one like that is the most interesting. He can that's make awesome. he makes a funny story out of just about everything. So that's there you go. So cool. give us a in closing, give us a quick blast on the upcoming Hoop Fest, the dates, et cetera, et cetera. 
Yep. So September 11th and 12th, um, we're excited. We got, you know, on the Thursday, so September 9th, we're going to do our first inaugural class of the Hooptown Hall of Fame with an event up at Riverfront Park at the, at the Hooptown USA Courts. Uh, Friday, we just signed a deal with Red Bull to run a Red Bull 3X tournament, which is um, essentially the Olympic style of, of oh. um, three-on-three basketball that wow. was just in the Olympics. So they're going to run, yeah. and it's professional, so there's it's money on the line. Uh, so they'll run Friday um, and then Saturday evening. Um, Saturday, Sunday, of course, is Hoop Fest. We're really excited about that. Um, we're doing a lot um, trying to promote the growth of the women's game. Yeah, um, awesome. That's a priority for us. Um, and so we have, we've connected with a couple different groups. One is called um, Hoop York City, uh, which is a kind of a recreational-led group, female-led group um, mm-hmm. out of New York. Um, we got them coming out uh, to be a part of our event to compete at, at Hoop Fest. Um, we're working to get the women's uh, USA Basketball women's 3x3 gold medalist team that won oh, um, yeah. the inaugural 3x3 tournament to try to do a be a part of their gold medal tour to come through Hoop Fest. Sweet. Nice. Um, so we're always working on stuff like that. So I say all that because we're excited. Like, yeah. if we're planning for it. Um, we just made a pretty tough announcement just yesterday um, on refunds because we're also watching COVID. Yeah, and ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to have to work with the authorities on what that looks like for us. And right. I mean, we're fortunate that we're an outdoor event, um, mm-hmm. but it still brings a lot of people into town. And you know, basketball is not a socially distanced sport. Yep. Um, so it creates, you know, it does. There is some risk associated with that. So really trying to manage that, but um, which is difficult. Um, but we're full steam ahead on getting everything done and ready for, uh, you know, September 9th really is when, when the event starts yep. to happen and then uh, 11th and 12th for the tournament. Also honoring the 20th year of um, uh, 9-11. Oh, yeah, that's yes. right. This year it's as well. Be so that'll be, uh, that'll be Saturday morning. So we um, are working with Fairchild Air Force Base, our, our first responders, fire department, and police um, to do something special uh, to have a moment to honor, um, you know, honor that memory. Yeah. Um, so... You know, Great. So never no We're shortage pumped. no shortage of things to do. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Before we before we uh, before we <clears throat> go go forward with our day, um, is there anything that you would offer to anyone listening to this podcast to inspire them to be a better leader? Uh, get out of your comfort zone. Like take the whatever that is. Like go take the cooking class. You know, yeah. go go do the public speaking. Go do an open mic night. Go go find something that's going to make you super uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, and just do make that a habit. It's all about habits. Nice. Yeah. So I, I, that's what I think. So just I think, you know, there's a great picture where it says it's a, you know, it's a big circle in the middle of, the, of your screen. And it says, you know, this is the com- your comfort zone. And out here there's a little circle that's not Venn diagram, not connectedness. That this is uh, where the magic happens. And that's, the, that's where the, you got to get outside your comfort zone to get to where the magic happens. And I think a lot of people, we strive for comfort. We don't strive for growth because it's, sometimes it's awkward. It hurts. It's painful. It's, it's uncomfortable. And the more you could be comfortable being uncomfortable, the more growth you have and the more you can accomplish the things you, that internally that you really want to go accomplish. Brilliant. Awesome. That's going to be fail. a quote. That's going to be quoted. Yeah. Can't fail until you <laughs> fail to try. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> What's the worst that's going to happen? Exactly. You know? Well, this has been another fantastic episode of the Lilac City Leadership Podcast. I'm uh, one of your hosts, James James Krejci. And I'm the other one, Doyle Wheeler. And Matt, a true pleasure to have you on the show. This has been uh, fascinating. Yeah, thank Thank you for having me. Thanks for your time. You're welcome. Wonderful time.